Anyway, this part now is going out live onto YouTube. There's just a 20 second dish delay. So, hey, YouTube, thank you for joining me. I'm going to do an official thing in a second. I just need to get the Instagram machine running too. Uh, check in connection. We're live. I always like it when it goes quick. That's nice. That's nice. And so recording on, on, I think we're good. So logged into my church, but it was screaming from the beer blog. Do you hear that? That's, uh, that's messed up on my part. Okay. That's good. For a second, I thought you guys had started telling the exact same story. And I was like, guys, that's my story. Yeah. We like to play repeat all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, that was a neat story. Now I'm going to tell it, but I'm going to put my name in it instead of yours. Uh, welcome to uh, Monday night, 9-11, uh, not, not, not my finest start time, but we did pretty good, and, uh, and so we're happy to be here. Uh, Toronto Beer Podcast with me, Chris Fryer, and tonight I'm joined by uh, two friends from Stormstade Brewing out of London, Ontario. Uh, I'm trying to think, we're looking left is going to be Paul, right is Justin. Uh, things get reversed on the phones and stuff like that, so how you guys doing? Doing well, you? Doing yeah. grand. Yeah, no complaints. Uh, happy to have you guys. Um, now, trying to think of how to spin this one up. I haven't even decided on my beer yet, by the way. I've got one in mind, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but first off, let's just say, so, little history. Um, I've known Paul since I was like 12, kind of on and off. We haven't been in constant contact. Um, and I met Justin on Friday? I think that was Friday. Uh, Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. Thursday, same day as the Godspeed order that we were talking about. That's right. Had to fit a lot of beer in my icebox that day. Um, so, yeah, not a whole lot. To, a pretty significant time difference uh, between the two. But uh, but that's that's who I know and how. Uh, both uh, at Stormstate. Now, Justin, you're a founder of Stormstate? Is that uh, I'm one of the co-owners, yeah. Co-owners, yeah. Very cool. And, Paul, you were an early uh, early joiner? or what I was came the in about five months uh, after they opened their doors. Um, I think sort of just contract basis for design, and I ended up behind the uh, the bar serving beer for a year, I think, maybe a bit more. I think yeah. Paul was employee number two. There you go. Early adopter. It's on my business card. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a serial number? You're like 00002? That's right. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Uh, so, okay, let's deal with the beer and then we'll talk a bit about Stormstead and a bit more about you guys and your roles and stuff. Uh, but that's just who we are and where we're at. Uh, so my think, so first of all, do you guys have something picked out? You've got some beers with you or? We do. Yeah. What are you guys having? Uh, tonight I'm drinking the, uh, Chateau Lager from Burdock. Oh. So while I was doing deliveries, I figured I might as well stop by and pick up some beer while I'm out there. Yeah. And I've got the Burdock Vermont Blonde. Very nice. I was anticipating uh, you guys uh, digging up the brewery uh, your own, and, and that's uh, that's very generous. Well, that's on the list for uh, later on tonight. All we right. uh, can't have some beers today, so we might give those uh, a whirl as well. I like it. Now, I had been thinking of doing uh, the Irish red with the, um, the, the I was going to say Bergamon, help me out, Earl Grey, right? Yep. Uh, agreeable? Should I start with something else? I got a lot of other things. Got some. I mean, like the Irish red itself is my favorite beer that we produce. Mm -hmm. So I'm a bit biased. That's fair. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to just pull back here and dig it out. Why don't you, Justin, tell us a little bit about Stormstead? Basic details. We know you're in London. 
I'm going to take my mask off for this. Yeah, that's all right with me. Um, so Storm State, we started this back in uh, 2017. Um, just uh, we were a couple of friends who met through a homebrewers uh, guild. I had been homebrewing for about uh, 12 years at this point. At that point, I guess it would be. Yeah. Uh, and we decided that we wanted to get into doing something that we loved doing. Uh, so we started working on the project back in 2015, 2016. The place opened 2017 uh, in December. Um, I'm trying to think. And then it's been a, it's been a ride ever since. Yeah, man. Um, no, so, uh, four years. About four years, you said? We just had our third anniversary. Third anniversary, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, we started in 2016, but that was, you know, the whole lawyers and all that stuff. 2017 <laughs> was actually in December, and we had our grand opening in January. So, right on. Yeah. Yes. It, okay. So, dates can be confusing whenever they're in December and January. <laughs> yeah, for real. I'm also usually better at listening but I got really distracted. I knew I'd put it somewhere smart. The problem is I couldn't remember where that was. Uh, the answer was on the top shelf. So, so yeah, I've got your sweater weather Irish red ale here with uh, Earl Grey tea and, and vanilla. Yeah. So, so right. Patina is our regular beer. It's our uh, Irish red. Yeah. And this is a twist on that. Um, yeah. Like I said, I mean, I'm from the East Coast, and so um, Irish Reds have a uh, little, little spot right here. Just exa exactly. That's exactly it. I feel that. I feel uh, that. I've always got a soft spot for a stout. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, even a, it's like pizza. Even a bad stout's all right. So, um, fantastic. Yeah, I had the, the patina. Uh, I think that was on Saturday. I had a glass of that. And it, you know what's funny? Irish Reds, there was a time in Ontario where th there wasn't maybe a preponderance, but there was there was a few around and they were all fine. Like they were good and nice. But then I kind of left them alone for a long time. And uh, and then, yeah, I think it was about a year or two ago. I had somebody give me one that was homebrew. And uh, it's one of those things, right? Like somebody's like, oh, here, here try my homebrew. It's uh, an Irish Red. And you're kind of like, OK, I'll try your Irish Red. <laughs> And then I had it and I was like, I've forgotten how much I like these. Like, I think in my mind, I was expecting it to be a little bit more on the sweet kind of Scottish end and lacking some of that like more tannic quality. And uh, the homebrew one, I don't remember who it was who gave it to me. It was really nice. And then, yeah, having the patina on the weekend, I was like, oh, yeah, we need more of these around. So I'm stoked to give this one a whirl. Uh, is this uh, Earl Grey? Is this just like twinings or do you have like a local tea merchant you like to use? So uh, on the original batch that we did, it was, um, see, because we use the tea, it, uh, it got a bit darker than red. Right. Uh, yeah. But, um, in the original batch, we used to use, um, a, uh, a tea supplier from Prince Edward Island. Oh, cool. Uh, it was called the Lady Slipper Tea and it was delicious. Unfortunately, we, uh, I forgot to order it in time for this. And so we found an alternate source uh for this for this batch yeah huh whoa that's really cool so like solid red ale for sure the vanilla hits a lot more quickly than i was expecting i have to find like vanilla you get a lot of aromatics but it's more like a lingery kind of thing than anything yeah. but that 
really like nicely vanilla quality without being like candy like. Although what's funny is there's a sweetness that my first thought was it almost touched on like cotton candy, which is quite hmm. nice. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I know. Eh? And then, yeah, the Earl Grey is definitely there. You know what's really super funny, though? I'm actually just thinking. Because it's Monday, I actually showered and like fully washed my hair. I only shampoo maybe twice a week. And uh, I use I use a bergamot oil uh, right. in, in conditioner. And so I, I, I realized I was like, there's something really familiar here. And it's like, oh, it's my hair. Yeah, 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 there's clearly that nice bergamot orangey kind of uh, thing going on. You're talking about vanilla, and I find that Earl Grey in itself has some vanilla characteristics to it. Yep. And so we just wanted to accentuate that by adding vanilla to it as well. Yeah. That's super interesting because, like, I think if you'd given it to me blind, I would have gotten the vanilla pretty quick. Although, like, I would have wondered and been like, is that a, like, a brewing effect or is there actually vanilla in there and then yeah the earl gray definitely there but it's 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 more subtle which is kind of nice um again bergamot's lovely but it can be really pungent you know like it can it can really knock you in the face um this is still very much an irish red ale that just kind of filled out a little bit which is super cool i like that a lot that's really good i'm glad you like it yeah mm -hmm. we have some beers as i'm sure you've had that we just like to slam you in the taste buds. Right. And then we have other ones like that one that we're trying to be a little more subtle with sure flavors that we're getting from specific things, but that work together. Yeah. Yeah, it, it totally. Like, and it's, yeah, it's exactly that. And it's what you said. It's, you know, you, you identified the vanilla and the Earl Grey. You want to boost that a little bit. The Earl Grey with the Irish Red. And again, that idea that, an Irish ale should have a bit of a tannic, almost tea-like kind of dryness on the finish anyway. So it's just kind of playing ball with that. It's really, really nice. Is this available right now, or did I sneak in before the uh, the cans all went away? No, it's yeah, no, it's available right now. Yeah, no, we have yeah, we have that in the shop. It's this is the first time that we put it in cans. Oh, cool. Usually we just do it as like a cask beer. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I was thinking like tap room only kind of thing, but cask. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think the last two times we've made it, we've made it three times. Twice for individual anniversaries and once for cask days. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, super good. Really like that. Could, since I could drink this all night, well, I'll probably try something else after, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, you've had more of sweater weather than I've had. <laughs> I like that. That's. I'm glad to hear that. I think I had some, like a sip uh, or two right off the canning line and it was ice cold and <laughs> I really couldn't get much out of it because it was just so cold. Like made your teeth hurt? <laughs> yeah. so, there wasn't a whole lot of like flavor in that moment because I mean, it just came off the line. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, do you guys want to discuss your Burdock beers? Any insights, any thoughts, any, uh, you can geek out as little or as much as you want. So, I mean, like, so Burdock is one of my favorite breweries in Toronto. And so this lager is hitting all the spots that I was expecting to hit. It's delicious. It's crushable. Um, we have other beers that we're going to be hitting up after this. I probably won't go back for a second, but I would go back for a second. Totally. Totally. You know, and I love the Vermont one. Uh, you know, since I first had it, um, I've always been a sucker for it. I, now, I think just in general, um, 
Usually I would say I don't like blonde ales, you know, that I might find them boring, but I think this Vermont blonde uh, is more sort of leaning towards pale ale mm. territory, which is more my favorite style. So um, it's kind of right in that sweet spot. I, and I like that, you know, between like a blonde ale that's light and refreshing and a pale ale that's got some hot presence. Um, it hits right in the middle, really easy drinking. Uh, I think it's a great first beer. That's cool. And I don't think I had I, fatigue. Oh, yeah. I, I'm trying to think what it was I had. I think it was an Aveling beer I just had recently that, uh, unless it was something that came in your pack, but I don't think it was, that was listed as uh, like a dry hopped lager. And it was super good. But I was like, if you, I think actually it was, I did it in the pod a couple of, maybe last week or the week before. I was like, if you handed this to me and said, what do you think of this pale ale? I would have said pretty good pale ale. But it's not. It was a lager, but just had this really nice, and it was, I think it was uh, Simcoe Citra uh, dry hopping. So, like, as pale ale as you're going to get. But on reflection, I'm like, yeah, like, clean, snappy finish, no real yeast character to speak of. Uh, and, I mean, it was pretty clear, and I, I don't think that's a knock against a pale ale, but I think in the province these days, pale ales tend to at least be semi-hazy <laughs> it's gone that i think i think that yeah it, it's gone that way pretty quickly yeah. yeah yeah uh ontario has finally moved past the uh the amber pale ale eight percent crystal malt no i mean like this is coming from <laughs> somebody who loves an irish red yeah but i mean that's an irish red that's not a pale ale yeah yeah totally i just remember every ontario pale ale for a while was like, yeah, or not even necessarily crystal, like 8% honey malt. And and then, yeah, it was always just like uh, Cascade and Centennial and maybe Citra. And they were as uniformly uninteresting as they were. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, similar. It was, uh, it was something. Oh, hey, look, Ben Johnson... Uh, fellow podcaster and and uh, father extraordinaire uh, just jumped on the Instagram. He is a neighbor of yours. He's a London boy too. He's a fellow who likes Stormstead. I was going to say he's a dad again. Yeah, I just had a he's second a kid. That's right. Yeah. So so hello Ben, uh, and he says hi, dudes. Yeah. Hey. Um, sweet, sweet action. So that's really good. I always um, like to discuss what I would eat while I was drinking this. And this is actually interesting because, again, Irish ales are, they lend themselves more to like pub style foods and, and just not necessarily because they're perfect pairings, but because that's just where your brain tends to go. But this one's because it's got this extra little thing going down with the, with the vanilla and the tea. It's an interesting question. I could almost see working more with like a dessert with this or like something desserty. This would, you know, what would be really nice with this would be banana bread. A nice, okay. like, yeah, sweet banana bread. Let the beer kind of set off the sweetness with its dry tannic thing. But then that vanilla and the tea, I mean, it would be like having a bit of tea with it. I think that'd be interesting. And then the banana is quite fruity, which uh, I think would just play well. It would touch some of that bergamot note. I think that'd work. Yeah, I would have a slice of banana bread, maybe with butter on it to just fatty it up a little bit. Just try to add that layer of uh, of, of uh, fizzy, dry fattiness. I always like that. That's my that's my call. You don't have to put that on the can, but uh, uh, lovely, lovely. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll do banana bread with that. Uh, hey, okay, so that's what we're drinking. Having a good time. Uh, had a brief introduction to Stormstayed. Um, but uh, so like for one, I've got a couple of questions and then hopefully, you know, things just kind of naturally go. First one, tell me about the name, Stormstayed. That's, uh, there's got to be something there. That, that that didn't happen by accident. That's Justin. Uh, so Stormstayed uh, is an East Coast term. As I said before, I'm from Prince Edward Island. Um, but apparently it's also like a London area term. So hmm. a bit more of like Port Stanley area and a bit up like in the Cottage area. Um, and it means that the weather outside is so bad that you're, you're stuck where you're too. Um, so the idea behind having that name was we wanted to have a place that if the weather was so bad of, that you wouldn't mind being stuck there to have a beer or two to pass the time. I like it. I like it. That's cool. That's that's dope. Uh, and then it's funny. I'm thinking for a minute, I was thinking I'd been to the brewery, but I haven't because um, you guys weren't open. I came down to London, hung out with Paul, uh, and actually he took me to uh, to Sarnia for uh, some uh, refined fool. And then we went, we did a little cross-border shopping too. Uh, but, uh, but of course, that was before Storm State was open. Um, so I actually have never even been in the brewery. The space behind you looks pretty significant. That's, that's not a small space you've got there. Um, so uh, tell me a bit about the brewery. You've got a tap room, obviously. You've got oh, a lot of windows on the left there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah we've got a lot of windows. It's actually kind of funny because if you talk to anybody who so this building used to be known as uh, the coves so it used to be like a an interesting uh bar we'll call it um and everybody you talk to are like oh when did you put the windows in it's like no the windows have always been there we just clean they, them <laughs> well, that's exactly it we clean them they were disgusting yeah now they're clean don't worry about that um so our tap room is what's the main focus of the place. It's 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 huge. Our bathrooms are huge. Uh, we wanted this place to be um, a community point. We wanted people to feel comfortable. We wanted to have a lot of space. Uh, we wanted people to interact. Uh, so our biggest area in our brewery is our tap room. Um, and then our brewery is actually probably one of the smallest rooms in this in this space. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> But that's I mean, awesome. and that's kind of biting us now with COVID, right? You know, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it was a tap room setup. It was all about the tap room, not production. Yeah. It wasn't about canning uh, inside. So, I mean, yeah, we're feeling it. Um, the tap room, well, leading up to this Friday when we when we reopen, uh, you know, we've kind of been using it as storage. Yeah, you can actually see malt <laughs> behind us here. So, like, yeah, totally. Uh, Right. So, I mean, like before, uh, before COVID happened, uh, we wanted people to come in and check us out. We wanted cans not to be the thing. We wanted cans to be like a marketing ploy. Yeah. So you come in, you have a great time. You're like, Hey, I want to share how awesome this place was. I'm going to take a six pack home and share it with my neighbor. Then your neighbor's gonna say, "Hey, these beers were delicious. Where was that place again?" I'm gonna go check it out. Then yeah. they do the same thing, and that's what we originally envisioned. And so we were focused mostly on draft sales and and whatnot. Yeah, I. That's I. I mean, you hear that a lot these days of people being like, 
we had we we didn't really package much and we really had to pivot and it i mean different people have had different levels of success i guess with that but you guys seem to be doing okay of course saw that uh you've partnered with block three to widen your local delivery by doing each other's which that's a fantastic thing to do that really all spread the reach and we're going to be doing that again um soon as well that's awesome and then and then yeah toronto delivery is great keeps the block three are fantastic people so Yes. Yeah. Kevin's a good dude. And I've met a couple of the other people there, but obviously I've known Kevin for, for a spell. So uh, just as a quick aside, Ben does note that uh, the bar that was there before you guys, he says was a dump and that you're a welcome change. So uh, you didn't have to say it. Somebody else did. <laughs> so divey. And, yeah. and we used to have some of those old patrons coming in when Storm State was new because they, it's like, Oh, we can go back to our old place. And even these people that were frequently going to the dive bar were saying it was getting a little bit too divey. <laughs> That's a bad sign. That is and a very bad sign. Crowd, so. <laughs> uh, so in terms of brewery, you said it's smallest space there. Uh, what size are you guys running? You like 10 hack, 15, smaller, bigger? Uh, seven barrels, so about eight hack. But yep. we push it, we do about uh, just over 900 liters each batch. Right on. Uh, and so, yeah, so we do, all of our fermenters are double batches. Uh, so when our, if we want to, we can double batch. If we want to, or do a single batch, if we're doing more of an experimental brew. Uh, but what we tend to do a lot of are what I call tinctures. I mean, it's one of my favorite things where I'll make a beer and then we'll do three different flavors of it. Yeah. So our Blondel was born out of that. Um, and then that's become a staple of ours. So we used to have a Blondel and then we had a couple of different variants of it. One of them coffee and people just loved it so much that we've kind of turned that into one of our staples. Yeah. I've had that, the coffee, it's the coffee blonde that I would have ordered. Yeah. Same deal. Yeah. Really nice. It's like a coffee crisp. Yeah, totally. I remember, I think the first time I ever had, I think it was an amber ale with coffee, but not like it was the first time I had a beer that wasn't a stout that people had added coffee to. I'm pretty sure it was a Bose product, actually. Um, And it was like, it was a seasonal or whatever, uh, years and years and years ago. And I remember just being like, yeah, why don't people do this more? Like, yeah, I get that coffee works really well with the flavor profile on a stout, but it works really well in a lot of other contexts too. And yeah, the blonde coffee is fantastic. It's, it's great. Um, there was of course that period when people were into white stouts, which got a little yes. bit silly, uh, but it's the same idea. It's like, there's no reason not to, you know, I dig it. They can be lovely though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There was just, it was a little bit like, I've had some really lovely pastry stouts too, but they're also getting kind of beaten up right now by everybody wanting to make a pastry stout, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it is what it is, but, uh, and I understand you guys have a pastry stout dropping, by the way, that wasn't a dig uh, at uh, pastry stouting. <laughs> We're actually uh, just waiting on the labels. Uh, I think that's the bane of our existence is labels is just, we order them. And then they take a while. <laughs> well, I mean, COVID's thrown a big wrench into things, right? Yeah. Uh, they, I don't... they may get printed on time, and then the shipping company doesn't pick them up. And yeah. they're just sitting in the, the, the company's warehouse for days before. And it might have a shipping label on it and say, it's been shipped. Yeah, it's just sitting there. Yeah, right. I'm not throwing the company under the bus, because we have beer in our fridge that 
was supposed to be picked up by our our uh, by Canfire a couple days uh, last week. Yeah, and uh, it still hasn't been picked up yet. So you're you're speaking my language, being a, a worker for Canada Post. There we go. <laughs> this is my life experience right now, and it didn't happen today. Turns yeah. out, <laughs> I know we said it was going to, but yeah, uh, that's brutal. But uh, but yeah, totally. Uh, actually, I've I've you know I've heard the stories of people waiting on a beer and they were waiting on uh, on pull tabs that uh, they couldn't uh, or the top I guess the tabs attached to the top but like the that that bit and they were like we got our cans we got our labels but we can't put them together because there's nothing to seal them it's like oh yeah when's that coming they're like I don't know three days ago yeah <laughs> so. I mean it, it's tough to line up the marketing you know yeah. your social media whatnot. Um, if you're all set to, to do that. I mean, I would imagine most breweries are trying to automate that process, try to get ahead of the curve a little bit. But again, uh, COVID throws a wrench into that too. Totally. You know, um, when your, your city's shift from one zone to the next, and now you've got to get a message out uh, ASAP. Yeah, and then like, like Paul was saying, like you might have, you might have something queued up to go um, all right, I know the next week on Monday, we're going to be doing this. But then, like you're saying, with COVID, it's like, well, I can't do my regular scheduled post at one o'clock anymore because now I have to inform people that, hey, we're open or, hey, we're closed or, hey, this has changed. Yeah. And then that, even though it sounds like it's just affecting one thing, it just kind of rolls into everything changing throughout the week. Yeah. And it, it, it's, a, it's background things that you don't think about or wouldn't have thought about a year ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've all <laughs> learned a lot in the past year. <laughs> uh, and so you're saying you guys get to reopen your 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 zone color changes to a uh, able to bring people in and sit them down uh, this week or next week, you said? We went to Orange uh, today. So that means you'll be starting to open up that front door again? And So we're planning to open it up on uh, Friday. So, yeah. That's fantastic. That's we great. want to have people planning to do uh, just limited, limited days, just until everything gets uh, sorted out. So. Yeah, and everyone, even the people coming in, need to learn what they need to do and, and what that looks like. So that's yeah, it's I, all part and parcel. Oh no, I, I I yeah, I mean, but I I think that people have really embraced outdoor dining since COVID has hit. Yeah. And so I, without a doubt, I'm envisioning that we're going to see for every one person inside, you're going to see three people outside. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I, I was saying uh, last week I saw a second wedge up in Uxbridge. Uh, so Uxbridge, obviously, now we're talking snow belt area. And uh, they had a bunch of snow that they banked up and then they carved out, they called them snowfas. So they were like, yeah, snow-based seating uh, for anybody who wanted to come use them. They said the only thing they recommended is you probably want to wear snow pants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I want to go sit on a snowfa. That sounds great. But I'm not allowed to. I can't leave Toronto. We're still locked down. So stupid Toronto. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> mm. Okay, where should I go next? Because I'm almost done my Irish okay. right I'm not expecting you to necessarily remember everything I ordered. I will put out there, there was a sour IPA I was looking at, but 
But if that's a finisher, I can understand that. There is also the shook, which I'm a fan of, although I don't think I've had this flavor uh, uh, combination. Was it okay. apricot and something or? So or... The, the shook version, the shook is like one of my favorite beers we make, like process wise. Yeah. The Irish red is my favorite style, but the shook is the process is one of my favorite things. And we try to change up the fruit every time that we uh every time we do it i think we've only had three fruit combos that we've used twice we've done blackberry bumbleberry and pink lemonade oh that's everything else has been pretty much one off was it pink lemonade like like the old frozen tin of pink lemonade that we all love or did you actually like kind of artisanal up a pink lemonade oh it was just <laughs> you know what? It was like that can you're talking about. It was the first one I was talking like about. Concentrate, but it was in like a drum. Concentrate sour. Because I mean, it's lemon on. It was lemon and raspberry, and lemon on top of a sour base. Uh, it just makes it really tart. Oh, it, so, it was puckering. It's it is like pink lemonade concentrate. Yeah. This one, I got to tell you, I probably won't open it right now because I want to keep this one uh, when I can sit down with it and it can just be a little me me time. Um, but this is the uh, the Shimmer Brute Grape Ale. A, surprised me um, because I've had, you know, uh, Brute IPAs, Brute style beers before. Um, and I knew that there was going to be grape to it, but I wasn't expecting it to be so red whiny. It's got such... <laughs> Oh, like, I, I feel dumb saying it, but it's like, oh yeah, no, like it isn't just like grape. It's like wine. It's Venice. It was really nice. I really liked it. And then, yeah, like crazy soft. The other thing with Brudales, Brud IPAs especially, they tend to have like really heavy carbonation. And I found that was lower on carbonation than I was expecting. But what that meant was a lot more of the softness of the body came through, which I really enjoyed. Now you almost look like maybe that you're laughing about what I'm saying, uh, which sometimes, sometimes accidents can be beautiful things. Um, oh, yeah, it was like, like magnificent. I'll let, no, I'll let Justin talk. Oh, that, that was definitely, definitely an accident. That was, uh, that was supposed to be carbonated quite high right um and uh i we got a poor reading on our part and but we had to we had to package it it yeah. had to get out of the system that day yeah and uh, so we had to go with it well so it worked really it worked well. <laughs> this is what i was talking about that i think i might dive into this this is the confluence so sour confluence is one the uh that's one that we like to have a lot of fun with as well. So Shook and that one are ones that we just love to play around with. I think so the first one was Peach and Apricot, which is a very awesome combo. And the second one was, what was your salad? Salad? It was an Ambrosia. It was a riff on Ambrosia. Oh, yeah, yeah, which is like uh, maraschino cherry and... And apple. Uh, oh, am I thinking of something else? Yeah, yeah. The Ambrosia salad, it's like, yeah, it's like sweet and like whipped creamy. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we, I mean we kind of joked about doing a whole spin on those sort of 70s uh, fruit salads that you, you know, find at uh, family gatherings. Get some Waldorf salad in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love a Waldorf? Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was, so I, I went to school to train as a chef. 
Yeah. And at one point, one of the dishes we had to make was a Waldorf salad. And I was like, this is like, I, d I don't have a category for this. This is so weird and old timey and like, oh, whatever. But they also had us making like weird aspic jelly things and stuff because it was, mm -hmm. it was French cookery for the most part. I feel like that's disgusting to me. I so I grew up with, my mom was from Manitoba and her version of an aspic salad is completely different from any aspic salad that you, uh, you Google. Because when you Google aspic salad, you see meat and stuff in, in a salad. Right, yeah. But this one was like um, like a cherry jello with like olives and I'm not sure what else was in it. That's not selling either. Um, hey, it's Christmas. <laughs> I listened to a, a guy, he's a podcaster. He does some uh, YouTube stuff as well. He's from the South. And uh, his wife makes this salad. I like. I, I'm trying off the top of my head to remember. I know it's like strawberries and pretzels, and I think like whipped cream and something else. And it's like he even says he's like everything about this sounds wrong, but man, it works. And it's like, oh, that's weird. And okay, let's let's give it a try. Mm, you know, American cooking. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just need to have different textures. I mean, like. Um, Throwing in uh, uh, like Mr. Noodles, not the sauce, but just the actual the like noodles. ramen noodles into a um, oh shoot, what's that cauliflower? Not cauliflower. They're just different types of salad. It just oh, I thought you were talking about putting it in a beer, and I was like, you're gonna kill no, your no, no. I'm just throwing into salad. Yeah, yeah, no, oh. totally, totally. We used to do a Napa salad, like an Asian style salad, and. Busted up Mr. Noodles was definitely one of the ingredients. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. I'm down with that. I'm all over that. I'm with you there. And then you keep okay. the packet, and then you put two packets into one bowl of soup, and boom! There you go. We're thinking here. Now you're the mayor of Flavortown. That's right. All right, so this is Confluence, and uh, where have I put the can here? We're dealing with black currant, pineapple, and vanilla, and lactose. And it's a sour kettle sour? Yep. I always ask as if I could tell the difference when I taste it. I can't. It's just a smart thing to ask. So, oh, that's pineapple-ier than I was anticipating it. That's really <laughs> Yeah. I thought we were going to lean heavily onto the black currant because that can be a pretty aggressive taste, but it's like oh. pineapple juice, and it's this, the sourness I could almost believe was just the pineapple. Like, it's not an aggressively soured beer. That's very nice. Ooh. This one here, I think that we uh, we intentionally soured a little less than we normally do, uh, because we knew that we we're going to be adding the pineapple to it. Totally, I get. Oh, that's nice. And interestingly, the lactose must just be offsetting the sourness because I'm not getting a ton of milky quality. It's just like residual sugar almost. Actually, that's not true. There's a bit of a creaminess, but it's not a particularly right. lactosey kind of beer. That's very cool. I like that too. I mean, it's not like I'm going to crack a beer and be like, this is a piece of crap. What are you guys doing? You should just quit now. <laughs> but uh, this is very, very good. I like this. Mm. Okay, so... Uh, one beer. What's that? Well, I was just going to say, there was one of one beer in our anniversary case, uh, the Great Conjunction. Um, that one? The event no? present. Which one are you talking about? The banana one? Yeah. 
Oh, you're talking about banana. Okay. So great conjunction. Uh, that was a fruit sour. Yep. Um, and all I was going to talk about just real quick was basically the lactose. There, there was none in that beer, but using, uh, was it oats? And, uh, we used uh, spelt and just the different temperatures and stuff like that. Yeah. We were able to get a lot of the same characteristics. Huh. The full like in terms of taste body. or texture or both? Uh, texture. We're mostly yeah, yeah. for the texture. Yeah, yeah. So you get that creamy weight kind of to it. Yeah. That's the, all I was going to bring. Oh, okay. I thought you were, were going to bring up uh, the the burning nature of oh. the of the pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Did oh. you get to try? Oh, I gave you one. Have Which, you tried that? Uh, no, you know what? I haven't. I, I've been sitting oh. on it. I wasn't sure what to do. So, uh, and the, again, some cans, and so like the 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 uh, I forgot the shimmer glimmer the brute one. Um, yeah. I'll kind of hold those. Because like on a Saturday, you know, sometime around lunch, I crack a beer. It's like normally like a Godspeed Dortmunder or something. And then from that point on, like, I'm not like slamming, but like open another beer, do some stuff, have another beer. And so it things can get lost in the shuffle. You know what I mean? And so if there's something where I'm like, no, I really want to spend some time with this, I have to kind of almost like, it's almost like setting a date with myself, which sounds dirtier than it, I meant for it to, but, uh, but, <laughs> but that's what I would typically do. So that's, I'm, I'm holding, I could dig it out. Do you want to discuss it? It's, uh, or do you want to keep it thumb? I know we said it's not available anymore. So. Uh, so well, what I, all, all that I was going to say was, I thought that Paul was going to bring it up. Uh, so this is a beer that uh, with hot peppers, and uh, just the way that the capsicum happened to kind of dissolve in the beer, some of the some cans were, oh, yep. yeah, some of them were a lot spicier than other ones. Yeah, I love it when that happens. So yeah, we're yeah. talking. This is uh, Event Horizon Adjunct Stout, Jalapeno Scotch Bonnet and Cacao Nibs, which is something. I just remembered when we were talking about spicy. I'm not going to do it because we're chatting and it's, it, it would, I would feel like we, uh, it would be unfair uh, to you fellows, but I'd meant to do a hot sauce tasting, which I've started including in some of these episodes. Uh, it started because second wedge did a hot sauce with Hurtberry farm. And so I got that and then tasted it. And then it's kind of grown from there and, and somebody sent me some hot sauces. So I was going to taste them. One of the things, and I noticed it says Scotch bonnet, Scotch bonnet is such a distinct tasting pepper that uh i mean on the one hand it can become problematic but for the most part it it just tends to i i'm not even entirely sure exactly what it does in my brain but it gives it this very like jamaican cuisine -y kind of taste because it's so characteristic like it's just like cuts right through so i am stoked for that but I think not tonight. I think, although it could be fun to find out how spicy it is. Maybe I would do a hot sauce tasting in the end. Who knows? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, I was going to ask Paul if you wanted to talk a little bit more. So you you did some freelance uh, design stuff, and now you're slinging uh, slinging drinks in the, in the tap room. What what does your day look like uh, as employee number two? Uh, especially because I know a lot of people often ask, like, what's, you know, if you get in kind of on the ground floor, what's that like? And I always tell people, you're going to do everything mostly cleaning. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, so, I mean, there's been that. So, to some extent, I approached uh, the co-owners at Stormstage and 
at the time, I didn't know Justin at all. Um, I basically had a beer or two sitting down at Milos's with uh, Michael, the other co-owner. Um, and he and I were sort of friends on Untapped, you know, um, reading each other's reviews of beers. Good old Untapped. Yeah, so we sort of met through that. And then I approached them about graphic design, um, sort of seeing it as a branding opportunity to help. Um, and uh, basically, we were working on some graphic design stuff. Um, and again, when they first started, there was um, really not much in the way of packaged beer to go. Um, they did get into crowlers. And so we were looking at crowler labels to start. And the next thing you know, uh, we, they're doing mobile canning with small uh, 355 mil cans. And then what was going to be a crowler label became, you know, a can label. And then um, it's just a color coding system. But that was all sort of done with me being a freelance graphic designer uh, on the outside. And I would submit invoices and, uh, you know, log my time and that type of thing. In the meantime, they needed help in the brewery um, behind the bar. And so uh, Nate, one of the brewers now, um, he was behind the bar basically full-time. He had quit a full-time job. He's working behind the bar and kind of trapped behind the bar uh, as they had opened up and uh, was kind of there for about a year. Yep. I came on board to help. So Nate and I, uh, we're basically working the tap room and Nate and I kind of sort of suffered a lot of first, you know, we're going to do a uh, uh, trivia and we get slammed or we're going to do a market. You get slammed. Um, and, and, but you know what business was, is getting better and more people are showing up. Uh, and eventually Nate was able to move to the back to basically brew full time. Uh, and then a while later, you know, uh, and to some extent too, just real quick, it was all guys on staff. Uh, aside from spouse, spouse support coming in to, to help um, to get more females on board, um, you know, in the tap room and uh, basically balance out the staff a little bit more. And, uh, and then in time, basically it was last, not this past November, but the November before, I basically bowed out of the tap room and uh, to some extent became full-time on the, or part-time, but on salary, uh, basically doing graphic design, the social media side, um, and just kind of helping with the marketing communications. Um, so to some extent, I've been working from home, uh, and I come into the brewery to photograph the beers, write about the beers, um, the web pages, things like that, but it's all put through the co-owners for review and uh, feedback, and we all sort of work on it together to make sure that we're communicating effectively. That's cool. That's good. But, but Paul is also like our, our pinch hitter, so I think that's a proper term. Like, okay. hey, we need, uh, I'm running late. Can you hop in a bar for an hour? Paul's the first person to be able to say yes. Uh, hey, we're down a person for our canning run. Paul will be the first person to jump in to help. Um, I don't know where the business would be without Paul here. That's pretty consistent with the Paul I know. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's one of those things of just having a really small team where everybody is wanting to do as much as they can. And I think that Paul exemplifies that. Nice. Fantastic. But it's been great too, because it's 
there's a physical side, you know, moving kegs around or, or you know, carrying cases. Um, you don't get that sitting behind a computer. So yeah. uh, I can get a creative, there's a creative outlet for me that I enjoy. Um, and I can bring sort of my skills from years as a graphic designer too. Um, and uh, but at the same time too, I like the phys physicality when offered to, uh, and the social aspect too, when yeah. it's happened operating normally. Right, exactly. That's <laughs> all bets off right now. But yeah. um, so in terms of now thinking, obviously everything is pretty tenuous right now, returns to some norms can bounce back and so on and so forth. But like, you know, we talked a little bit, you guys hadn't originally been a predominantly packaged forward brewery. You had to kind of pivot into that. Um, what, like, without necessarily kind of giving away the secret sauce, like, what are you guys thinking the, the next, say, three years kind of looks like? Again, realizing that nobody really knows. <laughs> yeah, no, like next week is up in the air. Yeah, uh, but, but is it is it, are you thinking we need more tanks because we can push more package? Is it uh, we need to redesign the tap room because we really want to focus on getting butts back on seats? Like, what's the angle you guys are thinking of kind of taking on for, yeah, what, again, could be completely wrong because everything changes on a, on a sixpence. So back before Christmas, um, so we've been planning to buy around Canning Line for a while. Um, pretty much like ever since we started doing mobile canning, we were like, no, like we need to buy our own canning line that we can have our own schedule and we can have all of our own costs and house and all of that fun stuff. And uh, I'd say in the middle of summer, we finally approached the bank and said, you know, we need to do this. Yeah. Here are the why. And whenever we were talking to the bank, our bank manager said like, well, last time we talked, we also said that you needed this, you needed this, you needed this. Why don't you throw that into your request and we'll see what happens. Hmm. And so as part of the request, we threw in three fermenters and it got approved. <laughs> so talking about it, uh, fermenters, uh, while as a person cost a lot for the business, they are the best bang for buck that you can have. Yeah, if you um, have the footprint, yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly it. We, we did narrow, we did tall uh, to maximize yeah. our footprint. Uh, those arrived the week before Christmas. So bad timing. Oh, it was terrible timing. We were in the process of packaging and oh, it was, we were trying to get all of our beers ready for our anniversary box and <laughs> the, the, the shipping company was like, oh, it's going to arrive today and it didn't arrive that day. And then they said they're going to start charging us for not delivering, but we were ready to receive them. Oh, it was, it, yeah. it was, it was a nightmare. Um, then they're going to start charging us because it was the holidays. Well, you knew that this is when it was going to arrive. Anyways, long story short, uh, we, we, we have three new fermenters. Uh, they're up and running. Um, so come summertime, we're able to start moving a little bit more beer. But I don't think that like our big plan is to just start turn and burn, or just throwing out IPAs, throwing out things like that. Like I think that we are planning to do some things that we weren't able to do with the tank space that we had previously. 
Mm. Uh, so we've been doing more loggers than we've done. I was going to say loggering a few things uh, down for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and we were joking about pastry stouts, but it is a style of beer that I love to drink. Yeah. And they, take, they do take fermentation time. Totally. Uh, exactly. So it's things that we didn't have the capacity to do in the past. And so it's allowing us to play and have fun. Um, cool. And I mean, they're, um, Paul was talking about Nate, um, our brewer, and those are styles of beers that he loves to, uh, he loves to drink. And so he's been able to experiment and have a good time with those. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, but um, we uh, did talking about like the tap room and whatnot. Um, what's happening in three years? I have no idea what's happening in three years, but I do know this summer we are working on uh, um, our patio. Uh, we're going to be ripping out the current one that we have next week, and uh, we'll be installing a new one. I'm pretty excited for that. It's going to be, it's it's going to be awesome. That's great. Uh, I think that, like we were talking about earlier, like people are still feeling more safe to be outside than they are inside and we want people to feel comfortable to come here yeah uh and so if you want to come inside we'll have a space for you uh we'll have everything up to snuff so you you will feel comfortable uh but if you'd rather stay outside we will have a comfortable spot for you to hang out and that's what we want like the whole point of this business was to talk to people, to be a community-focused entity. Yeah. Uh, the fact that people come in, buy beer, and leave, and you say maybe five words to them, is not what we signed up for this business for. Mm. I mean, if that were our whole point, we wouldn't be on Warncliffe. We would be, you know out in a warehouse somewhere right yeah yeah that's interesting i dig it um realizing that uh you know you guys obviously have have some some uh, uh control over uh, what's made and such but you're mentioning you know your brewer has things that he likes to do and whatever but is there anything that you guys haven't done yet that you're like man you know what we really need to make we need to make a vienna lager <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so we made a mango pale ale, and uh, that never made it out the door. Oh no, we we dumped that down the drain. Oh yeah, uh, did, did it blow or did it? Uh, was it some so of the mangoes? Happened, what happened was um, the fermentation of the fruit kept all of the hops in suspension. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, you couldn't drink it. The, the hot burn was insane. You know, I think we were canning it and it was about 3 p.m. And usually I'm photographing, like I go to the grocery store, I buy a mango, I cut it up and I'm staging this shot for our social media. And basically we're, we're canning it. It's coming off the line. It's got labels on it. I take a photo and I basically, I do the photo shoot and then you know, I've got a full glass of beer and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to taste this thing. Cause now I'm going to write about it for the webpage. And as soon as I tasted it, I thought, Holy crap. Has anybody even tasted this thing? You can't sell this. 
And mm. I kid you not, that hot burn in my throat. Yeah. From looked like a pretty good slug of it. From th- from 3 p.m. till 10 p.m. is all I could taste. <laughs> this mango hot burn. Oh man. We still have some in the fridge. So yeah, we sat on it for months thinking maybe it'll take might drop out. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it'll drop and maybe we can sell it. It just never happened. And yeah. so I think Nate had to crack the we, 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 we all took shifts just cracking cans. Wow. Like there's a pallet full yeah. of cans that just Yeah. It, and it was it was a learning experience. Um Yeah. I mean, like you were saying, like has anybody tasted it? Like we had tasted it. But the problem is, is the way that our sample ports are built is a lot of yeast or fruit or pulp or get kind of caught in there. Totally. And so taking your sample sometimes, you need to take into account that those flavors might not always be there. Yeah. And it's a green beer and like, yeah, I get all that. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, we're like, oh shit. Like, I hope this is not what the finished product is going to be like, <laughs> well, we got to can it. It's happening tomorrow. And we did. And yep. And that. I don't know. Not get better. It was, it was a couple thousand cans went down the drain. Oh, and that's probably in the days really with uh, out of canning line, and we've got a mobile canning company here, so it's like they're here. We're paying yeah, for them. Yeah, go time, and it's getting canned. Yeah, yeah, that is that is that's there are pros and cons, and that's definitely a con. Uh, you were at, you were asking if there was a beer that we haven't made yet that we would love to make. Yeah, I, I really want like. One of my favorite beer styles to drink is Flanders Red. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. But we do not have the tanks, the The fooders, the barrels, the space. Yeah. Like we said, our, yeah, like we, um, I I don't, I need a separate, in my opinion, I want to, I'd like to have a separate facility to be able to do that. Yeah, that's fair. And that, that would be, if I could, that's what I'd be doing. Yeah, just that's doing cool. That. Um, it's interesting going back to the the mango pale ale. Was it puree or was it chunks? It was puree. Well, it kind of came out more like pulp. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it was puree. I've done two beers with mango, uh, both homebrew. Uh, one, funny enough, neither worked, uh, but for completely different reasons. But I suspect that what you mentioned, one of the ones I did, I'd still love to revisit it, but it's going to be a delicate operation. I have a friend and she's Nicaraguan and she wanted to like homebrew with me. And she had this idea, she called it Nicaraguan breakfast stout. And so it was a stout with Nicaraguan coffee and El Tufo mango in it. And uh, I was like, yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. So put together a recipe on, you know, Smith or whatever and uh asked a couple of people like i'm using like fresh mango like we didn't even use like frozen we we bought el tufo mangoes and cut them by hand because again it was a 40 liter batch or whatever it was pretty small um and um so we made it and the first problem was something went really wrong in my math this was very early in my homebrewing and it didn't carbonate at all and uh it was painful but what's interesting is and i'd taken it as part of the um the carbonation problem but your description of that made me think it might have had something to do with the mango too it only had like i don't know maybe 100 grams of like styrian golding or something in it but it was like really 
sticky hoppy. And I was like, what the hell happened to this beer? I thought it was something to do with the coffee, maybe. Um, we, we found that there are certain fruits that keep hops in suspension. Um, it all depends on the proteins of the of the, the fruit. Yeah. Oh, it's not frozen pectins? The pectin, yeah, exactly. Uh, so um, I haven't looked into too much research on it, but other people have seen this as well. So like raspberries, this doesn't happen too, but then raspberries, you got seeds. And raspberries, I don't know how much you know about canning, but if you want to make raspberry jelly, normally you're recommended to add pectin to it to get it to set into a gel stage, or you've got to use like an obscene amount of sugar. Yeah. Well, might as well use an obscene amount of sugar. I mean, yeah, that's what it's there for. I'm not eating <laughs> for my health. And funny enough, the other mango beer that I did was an Earl Grey mango beer with uh, Mark Murphy pre-left field days when him and I were still goofing around in his garage. And uh, we made, it was an Earl Grey tea mango. I can't even remember what style it was, to be honest with you. Might have been a pale ale but i don't think it was and uh i think the same basic thing happened he was like we we made it up and uh you know two weeks later whatever i messaged him like oh how's the beer going he said oh it's not quite there yet and he ended up like oh we need to sit on it we need to sit on it and then part of the problem as well is they were actually literally starting the brewery at that point so Kind of one thing led to another. I never ended up tasting it. He said in the end, he was like, it was okay. But he's like, I'm not really interested in revisiting it. I was like, oh, so it was that bad. Like, <laughs> I have no interest in trying that again. And that's a pretty bad beer. <laughs> so, I mean, like, uh, one thing that I've learned throughout this is that, like, you don't always have to make things that you like yourself. I do not like mango. Mm. It's my least favorite fruit. Wow, eh? Hmm. Yeah. I love mangoes. But <laughs> people love mangoes. Yeah. Um, and I like to make people happy. Uh, exactly. I mean, like, but yeah, like it, it's, it's like, different fruits have different, like that's why we have so many beers with fruit in them because I think that they just add something fun and interesting and also just a different texture to beer sometimes. Totally. It's all about the texture I find and color. That's why I love, well, I, I'm always bringing it back to the Irish Red people joke about, but is the, it's the color of the beer. Like, I mean, we, I was just drinking a lager, and while it's beautiful to look at, it's kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of beers look like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, it's not a bad thing, but... I see Paul's coming back with a beer for you. I've got one right oh. here. I assume he is anyway. Here, here, here is a fantastic looking beer. Oh, and looking at Tiku glass and everything. Is that your Irish red? No, this is a uh, barley wine. Oh, uh, yeah, you um, mentioned you guys were going to get into some barley wines. Oh, yeah. From the Forest of Maine. Have you had a chance to try Forest of Maine? Uh, no. Pennsylvania, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania. Um, I would say um, top five beer experiences. Huh. Wow. It's not great. Wow. Well, I'm going to have nice. uh, an escape to paradise. So hopefully that's number Perfect. six. Oh, <laughs> I figured that was a good next step. Um, you ever do this? You know who taught me this? Stephen Beaumont taught me this. Throw a little bit in the bottom of the glass that you had the other thing in, 
whip it around, then don't think about it. Now you have an effectively clean glass. Yeah, yeah, you're just kind of pre-moistening the glass with what you're about to put in it. I should be doing this on camera. Oh, look at that label though. Well-applied label for the poor. I won't say no to that. (laughs) That uh, is very rare. (laughs) Well, now that I've said that, by the way, it's a well-applied label. It's not dead level, unfortunately, but it's a good looking oh. label. So we'll give it that, we'll give it that. That's the that <laughs> uh, so uh, what am I getting into here? What are we double dry hopping with? Do you want me to try and guess? I always embarrass yeah. myself. So I, want, I want to guess. Well, now that you've said that, it's made me very suspicious. Um, it has gonna be something really our, obvious. It has one of our favorite hops. So it's a hop that we use in a lot of our IPAs, just because we love it so much. It's got such a nice density on the palate, that beer. I, I told you, texture is texture is an important thing in your beer. Mm-hmm. I'm almost getting a melony kind of taste. I'm getting nods. It's not Hall Melon, right? No. No, no. I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah, yeah, like almost kind of touching on cantaloupe and oranges is my guess. I couldn't tell you what that is. I give up. Do you want me to throw a name out there? It's, um, no, it's not El Dorado. It's Cashmere. No. Our oh. favorite hop is Zaka. Mm. No, yeah, of course, that makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah, yeah so that one- it's orange juicy and, and melony and maybe a little peely, but it's not super bitter. It's really delicate. I like it. But, yeah, that one is a Zaka Galaxy and Big Secret. What was the last one? Big Secret. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I like it. I like it a lot. And is this like um, like a kind of a, I don't want to say a stock IPA. Do you do this IPA and then also double dry hop it? Or is this just this the way it is? Uh, that that's, the first, that's the first time we've made that beer. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> this isn't an adaptation. You're playing with other things. This is how you do it. It is... Hazy, eh? Ooh, that's like orange juice levels. I like it. Oh, it's interesting. I just burped and I got a little almost evergreeny note there. <laughs> there you go. That was the last beer. No, I was kidding. Could to be fair, could be, could be. I don't want to. I don't want to judge here. Uh, <laughs> okay, hang on a second. I need to take a sip and then I got a question for you. I don't think it's early. Oh yeah, tell me about what you're, uh, t- before I ask the question, get get into what you're having there, that barley one. I want to hear more. Uh, so we're, we're, we're drinking Still Life with Hound. I think you can see the Hound there. Yep. Um, and it's a barley wine. I don't think that they need to write the percentage. So I have no idea what percentage barley wine is. That's an interesting statement. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the thing with buying things from the States a lot of times. Yeah. They don't have to put it at all? No. Man, I've had stuff oh. from uh, Shorts, Michigan. Yeah. You know, like drinking it, and it's like, oh man, I'm getting a buzz off this thing. Like, and yeah, no mention on the label. I have to like go to their website to find out. And like, oh percent. Oh, no wonder. I mean, Shorts makes some high gimmick. Yeah. 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 But this one here is, um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of barley wine, um, and. This is up there. It's yeah, got a lot of like uh, raisin, like wide yeah. uh, fruit characteristics. There's almost like a wood character, but 
it, I don't think that this one was actually barrel aged. Hmm. So I'm wondering if that's coming from the hops or just how old it is. Maybe a little bit say, of like a, you get any oxygen stuff like sherry or anything like that off it? I don't know. Hmm. Not much oh, of sherry. Not really. I think this has been in my basement for a year, maybe. Yeah, I like how I gave it to you and I don't know I'm drinking it. That's the way. If you can play your cards right, that's how it should work out. I like that. I like that. I, I will be honest, though. I was pretty upset that I gave it away. So <laughs> well, you couldn't have given it to a nicer guy. So, uh, Do you do many barley wines? Any of those big old ale styles? We've made one barley wine. Um, we aged it in uh, red wine barrels, and it tastes delicious. Do I want to make more? Yes. Was it a shit problem, ton of work? Yes. The problem is that uh, they just they just don't sell. Really? Eh? We've had the beer available now for over a year, year and a half. It was a single batch. We still had some available. Huh. Right? We can put out, but, you know, so I mean, like, it as much as I want to brew it for myself, um, and I'm not just talking about fermentation space, but bottle or can space. Yeah, yeah. That's when especially an, like a, a barley wine or something like that, you almost, they do work in cans and, and you're enjoying one for sure. But that's often something you picture because there tends to be an elevation in price because of the time and the volume of the product, uh, of, of the ingredients, I mean, in the product, you know, and so often people present it in a bottle just because that makes the sticker shock a little bit less aggressive. It's like, yeah. oh, when it's a bottle, $7 feels a little bit more manageable. Whereas like when it's a can and you're like, why is that can $7 and that one's $2.50? And it's like, well, I can tell you, but I know that that won't make a difference. You've already gone, why would I have the $7 one? Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it, 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 that's interesting though that, that it didn't move much because then I always think I'm like, well, except that there aren't too many breweries I know that do move a lot of barley wine. Maybe the exception being like Little Beasts. They seem to do okay, but their whole shtick is kind of a lot of farmhousey and a lot of, you know, that's that's just their thing. Um, but yeah, that's it's, interesting. The only one that I can really think of that moves is probably Bearded Zeus. Mm-hmm. From Great Lakes. From Great Lakes, yeah. Um I'm trying to think, doesn't you granite? That's, yeah, that's not, that's what. Bruce yeah, I was going to say, because granite's peculiar, isn't really quite a barley wine. And so it's like, do we, yeah. And even that isn't, it's not, they're not pushing out hex of that a year. Like that's, that's a pretty, it's a pretty niche beer. That's an interesting point. I never really thought of it that way. I think I always take for granted, and maybe this is a bit of a Toronto, um, you know, a bit of my Toronto bias showing that like, it's like kind of like an, if you brew it, they will come. But that isn't the case, I think, for most people. I think a lot of people do have to reconcile, like, just because this is something super cool doesn't mean that if I just put a label on it, people are going to pick it up, you know? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting, uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think that, like, like, Paul and I have had this discussion ad nauseum um, just about, like, what works in Toronto doesn't always work in London. That's right. And what works in London definitely will not work in Toronto. Hmm. I mean, like we brew, I'm going to go back to the Irish Red, but like we brew an Irish Red once every six weeks just because that's how much London drinks that beer. 
Right, right, yeah. If I were to brew that in Toronto, I mean, I'd be sitting on that from a year ago. Yeah. Right? Probably. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I would drink it, but uh, I think you're right. I think uh, <laughs> it's funny, actually, that, and I, I was about to say those British styles. Sorry, every Irish person listening. I do know it's different. Um, but let's say those old world styles, um, with the exception now of sort of the Czech and German, uh, uh, you know, what do we call them? Crispy boys. Uh, but like a lot of those older styles have really kind of, yeah, I feel like an old man, like get off my porch. But like, honestly, I love the the newness and, and experimentation. But yeah, there's something nice about some of those old, just having access. And, and to be fair, I have access to the granite. Um, and so I can always get a nice, you know, bitter or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you can move more of that in London than we could probably move in Toronto. And in a way, that's almost like I'm almost a little jealous of that. I'm like, oh, I wish more breweries around me could sell that stuff because those are good beers. Like, But then there's also the, the opposite, right? I mean, like, I hope that you're enjoying the IPA that you're drinking right now. And I would assume that I could, I could turn it around pretty quickly in Toronto. Right. In London, there we find that there's an excitement for the first week, for first that first little bit. And then you can really see the tapering off on that style. What would be your top selling style? Oh, the Shook. By far. Really? Yeah. That's not what I was expecting to say. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it's got the biggest following, I think. Yeah. Huh. Wow, yeah. that's really cool. If we were to go back and look at our... Uh, at our, our our stats, our numbers, by far that would be the beer. So just to be clear, because I know people are listening and maybe they, they missed it on oh, my can's been put away somewhere, but so Shook's a, a fruited kettle sour. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. that's... So, so I mean, like, it depends on who you're talking to, but they'll have different terminologies for it. Uh, we do not call it a Berliner Weiss. Some <laughs> people will call it that. Um, it, we, we, we just call it a fruited kettle sour. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't have lactose in it because we want to have a counterbalance to the sourness. Uh, it does have vanilla because that kind of amplifies the fruit. Um, one way to look at it is it's an intro to sour beer. Hmm. Uh, just because those factors kind of, it, it's a good melange. You got the nice fruit flavors. You got the, uh, the fruit flavors. You've got the, the acidity. Um, and then you have the, the sweetness. So yeah. Yeah. It's just funny because of course, again, maybe a little Toronto snobbery. I was expecting it to be like, oh yeah, like the, you know, the, the pills are like just sort of a, you know, a cold yellow. And, and there are a heap of breweries in Toronto for whom their, their top selling beer is something in that, that same category. Uh, but yeah, that it's a, and I also kind of understand it's so very different from what most people's interpretation of like what beer is that like, oh, it's sour and it's fruity. And like, and as you say, vanilla, incidentally, coming out of my cooking background, I can tell you vanilla is to sweet tastes what salt is to savory tastes. Yeah. And so you can just add it and it just opens things up. You can add it to a point where it becomes its own characteristic like salt. Um, 
But uh, but then funny enough, I also say that about Citra. Whenever I homebrewed, it didn't matter what I was making. It got at least 20 or so grams of Citra because I'm like, I don't know, it just wakes things up a little bit. There just you like, go. Does this well, time. I, but yeah, don't don't get us wrong. Like our, our pale ale and like our lager, like they do move. But if we have... Um, if we have a shook on on tap or in cans to go, it's usually about 30 to 40% of our sales that day. Wow. That's great. That's really have, cool. And if we have it on tap, it will some days get to be 50%. Wow. Just because it's always got like other than the one that you have right now, because it is yellow. Usually they're brilliant red. Right. Um, yeah. They're vivid. See that and they're like, I want that. Yeah, yeah. Just based on color. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had the last time you guys did a Toronto run order, which was, was that last year? Or was it in January? I've lost track. That was right before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was in December. And uh, you guys snuck me in one of the left- leftover cans of the super shook. Yeah, and that, that was, was uh, Oh, was it literally? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was my home. That was mine. <laughs> well, it's funny because I don't know how we got on it, but we were talking about orange juice. Yeah. And you said, oh, I was just talking about that last night on my podcast. And uh, I thought, oh, if, if you like orange juice. Because I think you gotta I just, try you gotta try this. Just on the side, hey, do you like orange juice? <laughs> and you're like, why? Did you listen to my podcast? Uh, but it was anyway, bonkers. Yeah. It was such an intro like <sighs> there are a lot of examples oh. of times when a beer like that, where I'm like, it's a known entity, but now we're doing sort of like the we're turning it up to 11 and you have it and you're like, that's fine. And, and, you know, we didn't depart from the spirit of the thing, but you're kind of like, eh, you, you kind of did surgery with an ax there. Like, you know, we lost some of the, the, the nuance in, in, in sacrifice for the taste, but that wasn't the way that one was. That one was. Yeah. I was just thinking we should tell people that are listening, uh, what we're talking about is super shook, super yeah, shook. yeah. So imperial that was the imperial kettle sour, kettle sour. and guava, and guava. Yeah, yeah. So like, it it was it was the kettle sour, but it was like eight and a half percent or something like that. Yeah. 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 So we started that beer at over ten percent because <sighs> of the amount of puree that we added to it. I mean, the puree. So we this beer is not a smoothie style. Yeah. Um, all the fruit was fermented out, but because of the amount of fruit added to it, even though it's got sugar, it brought the total amount of, you know how it diluted a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Uh, What did we do? We had, I think, so it's got about four times the amount of fruit than our shook. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's stupid and it's delicious. So we were earlier we were talking about texture. That beer has texture. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's getting into like it's almost beer cocktail at that point. Where it's well, like we love beer cocktails. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it's like you're actually using the juices to do a thing rather than just adding flavor. Right. I mean that's um so talking about cocktails, often the way that we decide on fruit flavors is we'll have a discussion and be like, Hey, what cocktail have you had recently? What jam have you eaten recently? What juice have you had recently? 
And sometimes they're great ideas, like the ambrosia, and sometimes they're terrible ideas. Like durian. Oh, yeah, no durian. <laughs> you do not want durian in your beer. <laughs> I mean, maybe you do. Always if ask, you do. What's the new fruit flavor? I always say durian. Durian fruit. You're going to do a durian shop one day. No, no. We have a couple of fun uh, flavors coming up soon. We have a new fruit. Uh, we, we, we work with a number of different uh, suppliers. Um, and uh, one of the guys we're working with, they had a couple of new things. And I'm pretty excited to try. We have, yeah, I, they're fruits that I've never actually eaten. But then whenever you read the description of them, you're like, huh, huh. I will love this. Are you keeping this shy intentionally, or do you want to throw those uh, on the DL just in case? Uh, like, yeah, because sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> I think you know someone's going to come in and say, "Where'd that dragon fruit pale ale go?" You went, it went where it needed to go. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Here, I should I should let you guys go because it's getting late, and I appreciate your time, but I know you got people to get to, and you have to work tomorrow, so uh, I don't want to take up too much more. Uh, Throw down a little bit more. We talked a bit about it, but let's get real explicit. Where are people going to find you? I know I've got your address right here on the can. You're at 169 uh, Warncliffe Road South. Don't go to the north. Not the same place. Don't go to the north. Yeah. Is there a one? No, we won't get into that. Um, But uh, talk to me. Shop, delivery. Uh, Yeah, so we have a bottle shop on site. Um, So at 169 Warncliffe Road South. Uh, we have a website that has uh, a store so that we can do either curbside or in-store pickup. So if you want to reserve some beer, if you want to have in-town to London delivery, or if you want to have out-of-town uh, shipping. Yep. So we're all available. On stormstead.com. Stormstead.com, I think. Stormstead.com. Yep. Um, every once in a while, we will do a Kitchener-Waterloo uh well drop um and we try to do a toronto drop every couple months as well yeah we have gone to niagara um and uh st catherine's um find us on instagram we're on facebook twitter twitter sometimes do do people still use twitter every Uh, time somebody says twitter i go oh is that still a thing it's still a thing you know Uh, there are people on it and there are people on it and those it, it's fewer numbers obviously but they're pretty active and so you know we do we do address them um and try to keep up with them so yeah i mean my favorite my Enough favorite yeah my favorite uh means is the instagram just because um i'm such a visual learner we can have the pictures and the videos to go along with what we're talking about totally Although that is the bane of uh, Paul's existence. That's all right. <laughs> it's a I love I love Paul. Instagram. Instagram is my top, and it's for exactly that. I like visual beauty, yep. and uh, and I, across the board, I find Instagram better for that. You guys certainly wonderful photos, Paul. You Thank know, you. mad respect. Um, but yeah, I I. I follow a ton of breweries on Instagram and there are a handful who I really value their content. Um, not just because it tells me like what's going to be available to buy, but just from the sheer point of view of just enjoying what they're showing. You guys are definitely one. Godspeed is definitely one. Um, 
but uh but yeah just sometimes it's nice just to enjoy the way the thing looks uh because it was well made that way i think that's i think that's great and important and i love that i think that instagram is one of those uh interesting medias because one day you can use it to pump up a product that you want to sell that you want to move as hey buy this buy this buy this but the next day you can use it as a hey here we've made this mixed drink with this why don't you try it as well and then the next day you can also use it as a platform to further a discussion or as an educational tool all within the same um avatar but persona yeah it can also be a bit flippant too where it's just it wasn't a planned shot it's just uh i remember walking to the brewery one day and uh our farmer uh dave was picking up the grain and i just got talking to him outside and the sun was hitting him sort of just right i'm like do you mind if i just take a photo and actually you know there's a social post maybe a week down the road where it's like you know, because that's part of our business too. That, totally. You know, this guy is coming every week and uh, he works pretty hard to go. take the grain. Like, it's not like they're light pails, you know, lift them up on the truck. And uh, and he's coming really handy. Uh, Dave, you know, he can drive a forklift. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like nobody's that is business. Useful. And that is very helpful. <laughs> yeah. If you can make a friend and a farmer, yeah, have a good life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and and then when your canning line that you finally get around to buying has a thing, he's like, oh, we can just fabricate that part on a metal lathe. And you're like, what? Is that a thing? <laughs> he helped us with the uh, unloading of the uh, canning line. Yeah. yeah. The forklift, because we had the forklift here. Uh, and I can't imagine, like, Justin was going to drive it. Uh, anyway, I was just going to say, I mean, it's expensive, a piece of equipment, getting a canning line. Yeah. So, uh, you don't want to spear it with the forklift. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's funny. That's great. Yeah, that is fantastic. I love that. I love that. Okay. Uh, so we should, we should wrap. Um, but Paul and Justin, thank you for hanging out. Uh, I could have stayed. I would have had to take a bathroom break in a couple minutes, but I could have stayed a lot longer. Uh, but yeah, we all have things to do tomorrow. Uh, and so I really appreciate your time. Uh, as noted, and I mean, even if you hadn't hired my buddy, Paul, these beers are fantastic. I would, I would be ordering them every time they come to Toronto. Uh, it does help that I do get a little reminder. Hey, we got an order coming down the pike. Uh, you want to jump on it. Uh, but, uh, but I, I highly recommend. Uh, and again, especially, especially for Torontonians, we're not moving into any colored zone anytime soon by the sound of it. And so do like spread your wings, guys. Like literally Justin brought this to my door last Thursday. We had a lovely little chat, safe distance, obviously. Um, but yeah, exactly. Um, but anytime you get an opportunity, like, yeah, you might as well. I, I, I get to London basically never. Um, but because of this awful situation, people are figuring out new ways of doing things. And it means we do get to have this stuff, uh, yeah, literally brought to our doors, which is just fantastic. So uh, definitely check them out. Keep your eyes peeled. Follow them on on all the medias, but especially Instagram. And uh, and yeah, when, when the next order comes around, uh, like I think it was a $50 minimum, which I'm not saying $50 is nothing. Just, just for free delivery. Yeah, yeah, to get to get free delivery, but it was the fake local to Toronto. 
I know. Yeah. You guys will do Canpar for probably a fixed fee, like 20 bucks, something like that, right? Uh, 15. 15. So there you go. You can order anything anytime you want. Canpar will deliver it two or three days later for about 15 bucks. So that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I like the, I like making use of those local deliveries, especially because you do, I was not expecting, by the way, Justin, for it to be you when you walked up to my door. I assumed it was going to be a, a keg monkey. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there are breweries that are a certain size. The keg monkey is also the person signing the check. So, you know, it uh, all bets are off. Um, but yeah, totally. Look, uh, look up Stormstate and, and, and yeah, sub- subscribe to some uh, breweries that you don't necessarily think you might ever get to because sometimes you get to get to them through the magic of COVID. So that's, that's what I'm saying. And like, and like we're drinking here, whatever you do get up to them, you'll be amazed and you'll enjoy it. Amen. Uh, well, guys, have a great evening. Hang tight because I'm going to hit end and then I'll, you know, actually say goodbye for real. Uh, otherwise, if you're still listening, thanks for hanging out. Nice long one. I love these. Oh, man. And especially uh, people make fun of me, but I will actually be listening to this podcast tomorrow while I'm working uh, because I like to just make sure I didn't say anything too stupid and make notes and remind myself, you need to slow down. You need to mumble less. Um, but uh, I do like these long ones a lot. So I appreciate this. I appreciate your time, guys. Uh, hey, I'm going to do that hot sauce next week for Jess, who sent it in. Mango habanero hot sauce. That's Ooh, what we didn't do today. Good. Okay. I've been using it. It's nice. She makes a nice hot sauce. And uh, what am I going to drink? I don't know. Open to suggestions. So send them my way. Otherwise, uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Be good out there. Uh, if you're in London and you're lucky enough to be moving into a, uh, a more open t- uh, zone, Enjoy that. Be safe with it. You don't want to ruin it for everybody. Uh, And for all my fellows here in Toronto, uh, stay home, guys. We're not supposed to go out. So that's what we're doing. Uh, Have a great night. And I will talk at you all in about a week.